these readings always cause a little bit of anxiety for me. The reason being it's about paternal correction. It's about correcting someone who's doing wrong. And me, being very non-confrontational, don't like to uh, get into a confrontation or uh, do that correction. But yet, our readings tell us that's what we must do to correct those who are doing, doing wrong. And so a couple examples. You know, for me, uh, many of you know I enjoy golf. And the language isn't always the best on the golf course or in the clubhouse. Not that I use, use bad language, but around me I hear it quite a bit. And I usually sit there and do nothing. And people, some people will say, oh, I'm, they'll say something, say, oh, I'm sorry, Father. Others will say, well, he's probably heard it before, so don't worry about it. And then the extreme is, well, it's everyday language, so it's no longer vulgar, is it? Well, it still is. But the fact that, you know, I just sit there, and as I reflect on that, the reason I sit there and do nothing is because there's a, a fear of rejection. You know, if I actually correct them and say, you know, that's just, it's not very virtuous, and it is offensive. Um, are they going to reject me or kind of laugh at me or maybe even avoid me? And so there, there's that fear of rejection, and and all of us fear to be rejected because we're called to be communal in nature. We're called to be in relationship with others, and so we tend to fear rejection. And so that's one of the reasons that I uh, don't like to confront people or even to correct them, even when I know I should and when our Scripture tells us we should. Another example where I kind of attempted correction uh, was after a uh, wedding rehearsal. We were at the rehearsal dinner, and I was sitting with one group. I was sitting with uh, kind of the, the parents of the bride and groom, and then there was another table behind us, and, and I heard them talking. Uh, they're actually talking about cohabitation or living together before marriage, and that, you know, it's really not, a, not that big of a deal, is it? You know, you, you want to... Before you get married, don't you want to know if you're compatible with this person and that you can live with them? And then they went on and talking about finances, and financially it makes sense. You know, we only have one rent, one set of utilities, so you can combine your money and save money that way. And so I, I turned around and I said, oh, I, I overheard your conversation and just kind of said, did you know that studies and research actually show that couples who live, to, to, live together before marriage actually have a higher rate of divorce. And then when it comes to the aspect of finances, you know, I just kind of mentioned, well, if you don't know how to manage your finances individually, what makes you think that you'll be able to manage them together? And when difficulty comes, if one of you lose a job and finances are tight, if you don't know how to do that individually, how do you think you'll do it as a couple? And so then I turned around uh, to the table I was. I kind of left it at that. And then one of the parents actually asked me, so why is it that, is it true that couples who live together um, have a higher rate of divorce? I said, well, yeah. He said, well, why is that? And when he asked that, I'm like, that's what I missed out on. You know, you know I kind of said, well, do you know this? But I didn't give him 
the reason why. And, and so in him asking that, you know, the reason why, and got me thinking about that, you know, that's what I should have told the, the other table was, well, one of the reasons is it's ultimately a commitment not to commit in the sense that if things don't work out, we'll go the separate ways. But what actually happens is, if there is a, uh, if there's something that isn't going right, couples who live together without being married kind of avoid the issue. They gloss it over, they won't talk about it, but yet there's this fear of moving out. Even if they know the relationship may not work out, there's that fear. We've already made this quasi-commitment to move in together, I can't really move out now. And, uh, and so they don't talk about the things, they'll avoid the things they need to. There can, even the extreme would be, well, when we get married, it'll be okay. And it just gets worse. Unfortunately, there's one couple I know that I witnessed their marriage, they lived together before marriage, and six months later, they're divorced. And so that's just one of the uh, stat that came came true, you know, in meeting with them for marriage prep, it seemed like everything was good. I didn't see any problems, but obviously there were some underlying issues. But that really isn't, you know, this cohabitation isn't necessarily the focus of my homily, but it's going to that deeper reality of how to correct someone. And it get, gets me thinking, you know, how are we supposed to correct someone? You know, it's not kind of maybe the parent-child relationship is Stop that. Don't do that. You know you're not supposed to do that. Or there might be even angry, and that's kind of uh, where we'll start with, or it'll just be that, don't do that. And then you get the question, why? Well, because I said so. And that's not the right answer. And that's kind of what I reflected on, is that that's not the right answer. You've got to give them the reason why. You know, I wish I would have engaged that table a little bit more and told them the reasons why, whether they would have um, been open to it or not, they would have ac actually had some, some of the reasons why than just saying, well, studies show. Uh, because, you know, especially uh, young adults nowadays and even our high school, they want to know why. They want the facts and they want to know why. They just don't, don't take it on face value. They really want to know why. And so kind of missed an opportunity. But even more than that, you know, it's like, why, why do I even want to correct them? And uh, one of the reasons was sometimes it's just for correction while you're doing wrong. But really, underlying it is, you know, reflecting on it, is love. Love is the reason why we should want to correct someone. You know, like with couple, that question with couples who live together, it's because, you know, I want them to have a good relationship. I want them to be successful and uh, happy. And if I don't tell them the reasons why not, or why not to live together, you know, they may not have that full, long, and happy relationship. And, but that's with anyone we want to correct. We have to realize that it has to be out of love, it has to be out of charity. Whether they want to hear it or not, that has to be our approach. Because if it's out of anger or just to prove a point, uh, it's not helpful. Actually, it usually pushes people further away and they get more set in their ways. And also understanding, like me, another realization was I really need to pray for courage and really the words uh, to, to speak to them. 
And so calling upon the Holy Spirit as Lord, you know, I realize this person or is doing wrong. How do I give me the courage to correct them in a charitable way, to give them the reasons, give me the words the, to say that they might be open to correction. And the other thing that we have to be aware of is sometimes, you know, as Jesus says, first, go to that person. And oftentimes what we do is we don't go to that person, but we go to someone else. Hey, did you see what so-and-so did? That was just so stupid. Or, and then that person tells somebody, and we call that gossip, which is a sin on our part. And so that's the other danger, and that's what I think uh, many people fall into. Rather than going directly to that person and, and talking about the issue, they'll go around and just tell a friend or a family member, and it becomes gossip. So we need to be aware of that. And so just going back, that's why, you know, the, the readings just cause me anxiety because I, I know when I see somebody doing wrong, I know it's uh, my duty. It's all of our duties to correct an inv- individual. And I realize that I fail at that many times because I want to avoid confrontation. But recognizing that as our duty to correct someone, you know, really for all of us to call upon the Holy Spirit to have the courage to do it, but also uh, to the Holy Spirit to give us the words to say, to correct them in a loving, loving way, because in all things, all correction needs to be done in charity.